ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4, 1 through 2. I just want to encourage you a little bit in the time that I have. As you know, September, we're not doing a series. We normally do some series to where we can get into an issue and really just hash it out and, 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 and get into something and, and really look at it. But I just had this uh, word in my spirit for September, and that was shots. And I know that means something different to a lot of you. I say shots. Some of you go into Little John, you know, come on, shots, shots, shots. I see you. I see you. Uh, you're thinking shots. So that, that's fine if that's how you want to uh, relate to. Others might see shots because you have kids and the kids go and they get shots for the flu and all that, whatever thing. But I heard that in my spirit. And to what, it, what it meant to me is on these Sundays, I just want to give you these one shots, these things to just jar you loose from anything uh, that you're dealing with, to encourage you, to give you a shot of strength. Uh, a dose of the Holy Spirit in just whatever area you need. And so we've been, we've been doing that. And last week, uh, we, we, we really got into the word about, you know, just getting the word in your life to a whole nother level. And, um, and we talked about living inside out, living from your uh, position rather than your condition. We talked about uh, uh, boards, at dead wood and big wheels before that, and how we've got to place that, that demand on the presence of God and today, I just want to get into something uh, a little bit different on this here. I want you to uh, go ahead and Exodus chapter 4, 1 through 2. And I pray that this encourages you this morning. It says this, Then Moses answered, and he said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, Man, the Lord has not appeared to you. Come on, somebody. South Sacramento translation right there. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And now I want you to look over at 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 2. It says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Okay, let's stop there and let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord God, that your word has more power than I could ever give somebody, than my words have. And I just pray that as your spirit is here, let the anointing be present to preach and pull down strongholds, Lord God. Let the word ignite something in people. Let the, let the word break the chains and the limitations of a slave mentality off of our minds. And let us see what happens, Lord God, when we present you with little that we have and what you can do with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I just really want to talk to you today about the greatness of God. The greatness of God. And although all of us maybe know about the greatness of God in our head, we still live like God is not great. We still worry about things that we shouldn't worry about, myself included. Uh, we, we sometimes need a shot and an understanding of how awesome God is. And some Christians even got it twisted. They got more faith in the devil than they got in God. They have more fear for the devil than they do faith in the Lord. And they're always talking about, oh, the devil's hitting me. I'm getting attacked. Oh, he's, he's doing this and he's doing that. Listen, it doesn't matter what he's doing if our eyes are focused on Jesus. Because Jesus is great. Can I get an amen on that? 
Now, I know this is not a deep truth, but you don't need a deep truth. Sometimes what you need is to reexamine the truth you already have. And that is this, that if God is with you, who could be against you? He is in the business of taking zeros and making them heroes. He's in the business of taking little and making much. He doesn't want you or need you to be perfect. He just needs you to be yielded. But yet so many times we give God excuses of why he can't move in our life and why we can't expect to be great or do great things. And it's, and it, it's all behind something called limitation. And we all struggle with it. The harder your upbringing was, the more you're going to deal with this. It's called a slave mentality. It really goes back to the fallen nature. It came into the earth when Adam fell. And what was the first thing he noticed? The first thing Adam and Eve noticed when they fell was what they didn't have. They had no sense that they were naked. Come on, somebody. When they had God. And some theologians had said because they were clothed in his glory. But the first thing they noticed when they disobeyed the Lord was their lack. And this morning, I want to turn some of your eyes away because you are so fixed on what you don't have. You are so fixed on what you are not that you don't see the goodness and the greatness of God and what he has. As we look at the word today, we see the great man Moses, and don't get it twisted, he was great. This dude led a nation, come on somebody, with no television, with no microphone system, come on, with, with no technology, he'd stand on a mountain and address a million people. This guy was an incredible, incredible leader to organize a, and get the ability to march a million people out of a place and into another place. It's amazing leadership ability. Amazing gift on this guy. But because he had been in Egypt, he still dealt with this mentality that I'm talking about. All he could see is what he didn't have. And so here God, he's, he's talking to God, y'all. He's talking to the Lord, and he has the audacity to throw up some things in God's face and say, yeah, God, but what if they're not going to believe me? And when you read the rest of that chapter, it talks, it talks about the fact that Moses was a stutterer. He was not good in his speech. And so as God gives him his mission, all he could see is his weakness, his smallness, his inability. And some of us in this room are exactly like that. And God has been trying to get you to see how awesome you are, that he wants to use you, that inside of you is the ability to change lives. But every time you come up to that revelation and you start thinking that, you begin to get focused on your shortcomings. You begin to get focused on what you don't have. You get focused on what somebody else has. And this is what happened with Moses. And so Moses gives him the question, and I've talked about this before in this house, in this church. He says this thing to him, Moses, what do you have? In your hand. See, that's how God works. He's got to get us to quit focusing on the things we don't have and what we are not. And this morning, He wants to shift your eyes on what you do have and what you are. Are you tracking with me today? 
And so this is how he works. It's the kingdom principle here. So you go into 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 2, same thing happens again. The prophet goes to a woman, and she says, hey, I got it bad right now. Bills are stacking up. They're coming for me. Anybody ever been in that situation before? Come on. Amen. You got that block call on your phone. Amen. You know when they're trying to get at you and you don't pick up. Amen. Come on. You, you've been there. Or, you, or, 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 you know, you pick up the phone and you change that voice. Hello? No, he's not here right now. Or you do the old cell phone going out thing. Come on. Hey, hey, hello? Hey, Come on, y'all done that before. <laughs> this lady's having those issues. The creditor's coming. She's in debt. The creditor's coming to take her sons. They're going to take her. You've got to understand something about that. Debt is generational. You better get out of it. Because debt will eat your kids. Debt will make your kids slaves. That's what was happening here. Uh, and, and, and so she had some issues here. She had some things she was dealing with, like a lot of us. But look what, what, look what the man of God tells her. He says, tell me this. That's fine. You're telling me what you don't have. You ain't got money to pay the creditor. You don't have a way out of this situation. But the prophet then says to her this. He says, tell me what you do have. Are you seeing a pattern here? God is trying to get you to quit focusing on what you don't have. You don't have a college degree. Come on. You ain't as pretty as your sisters. Oh, come on, somebody. You, you're, you're not the best-looking brother in the bunch. Come on. But what do you have? I hit too close to home there. I wasn't too many laughs right there. So it's not funny, Pastor. That's a little that's too sensitive right there. But what do you have? What do you have? That's what the prophet had to do. And, and he says, tell me what you do have. And I ask you today, some of you got to quit focusing on what you, what you don't have. And what, what contributes to that uh, low-level thinking and that slave mentality is comparison. Comparison. We live in a day and age where everything's about comparison. Some of you can't stay off Instagram because you want to see what everybody else is doing. But we, it's amazing that we don't yet get that social media is not real. It's not real, y'all. Come on. Just because a couple is smiling in the, in the Instagram pic don't mean they're smiling on the inside. Now, don't get me twisted. I'm not saying you got to get out there and put all your dirt. No, I, I, I put my highlights on there just like anybody else. I put on there what I want you to see. Amen? And there's some stuff I don't want you to see, and you don't need to see it. So I don't post it on uh, social media. I wish some of us would get that revelation. Because we don't need to hear about your fight with your husband and how you think he's a knucklehead. Because if you think he's a knucklehead, you married him. So you're dumber than him. And now everybody on Facebook knows it. You just told everybody how stupid you are. So I, see, we, we've got to understand. So I'm not bashing social media. I use it. I put on there what I want you to see, okay? And when I look at other people, I also understand this. Instagram, it ain't real. Facebook, it ain't real. It's what we want you to see. But yeah, here's the problem. We look at that, and we look at everybody else's life, and we think their life is better than ours. And we start looking at, well, I don't have that. Well, I don't have that. Well, I don't have what they have. Wow, they look super happy in this picture. Look at them. Me and my husband aren't that happy. 
We don't have these things. We don't have a house like that. We don't have that. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is saying, but what do you have? What's in your hand? Are you tracking with me today? Because some of you are in bondage to this thing. You just are, are consumed with what you don't have. And that's why you're depressed so much. And that's why the doctor, they can't fix that. Did you know they can't cure your depression? All they can do is medicate it. So you got a decision to make. Am I going to come out of depression or am I just going to medicate it? And I always get in trouble here because some people say, well, you know, pastor, be careful because some people need those meds and things. And I, and I understand that it is a chemical thing and all that. But you got to look beyond it, too. It's not only a chemical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. And I'm not telling you to not take your meds. I'm just telling you, but you need to go beyond. Take those meds, but also quote some scriptures. Take those meds and get around some good people. Amen? Take those meds and say, there will come a day I won't need these meds. Instead of just medicating, medicating, and medicating, and when anybody touches it, you go, ah, I'm supposed to take them. Are you, are you tracking with me today? Because, see, this thing, it'll depress you. The world we live in is very competitive. It's very, you know, look at what we got and you don't and this type of thing. And, and you got to be careful for that. You've got to fix your eyes on what you do have. And some of you have great lives that other people would die to have. Come to another country with me. Come to another country with me. And you'll see you're over here miserable in paradise. Paradise. Even the poorest people here are living like kings compared to what other people are living like. And you spending time in paradise being sad. You better get Jesus in you. Because Jesus did not die on the cross so you could be sad. Amen? Are you tracking today? Are you getting this today? And so we've got to, i got to show you this because some of you, you're living a life in paradise sad. It's like we talked about last week. You go to the happiest place on earth and you ain't happy. It has nothing to do with the surroundings. You've got to get this on the inside of you. But see, most of the time what makes us depressed is ourselves. We're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy with where we're at in life. And what contributes to that is when we look at other people and we say, I should have what they have. Who said? Who said you should have what your neighbor has? God doesn't say that. Nobody, nobody says that. And so we, we get off in things and we start desiring things that we ain't ready for. So we get on Instagram and we see so-and-so, my cousin has a man and, he's, and she's married. And we start thinking, I need to get married why? Because your cousins are all married? I've literally heard people say that. All oh, my friends are getting married. So what's that got to do with you? What has that got to do with you? Well, you know, it's basically you're saying this. I want what everybody else has. Now, if you deal with kids, you'd call that kid a brat. Right? When there's that kid in the nursery and he wants to take everybody else what they got, that's a brat. But when we, when we live like that as adults, we call that normal. No, let's rip that off. You're a brat too, amen? You're just a grown brat. Come on, I feel a tomato spirit coming at me here. Come on. So let's look, Mark chapter 6. Let, let, let's keep going. Mark chapter 6, 37, 44. I want you to get this this morning. I want you to leave here encouraged. I want you to leave here understanding that wherever you're at with God, your little can become much. Mark 6, 37 says this, but he answered and he says to them, you give them something to eat. He's talking to the disciples. This is awesome. Okay, there's, there's 5,000 people out here, all right, and they're hungry. 
And look at what Jesus says to his, his 12 guys. He says, you guys, you guys ready to feed these dudes? That's craziness. How is 12 guys going to feed them? Okay, but look, let's keep reading. And he says to them, shall we go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? I love that too, because you know what that means? They had money. Oh, come on, if you think Jesus was poor. What, what Bible are you reading? What Bible are you reading? He was ready to feed 5,000 people. Can you feed 5,000 people? Nope, I can't. But Jesus, his disciples were down. Do we need to go get lunch for everybody? Come on, tell your neighbor right now, Jesus wasn't poor. I know, I just blew up your religious thinking right there because you thought, you know, the Lord doesn't need money. No, he had money. He had money. He was about to do lunch for all everybody. It's on me. So that was their response. And I love that response about the disciples because they also understood the abundance of God, but they couldn't see the miracle working ability there. So, uh, so he, he's, they're like, do you want us to buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But here's Jesus' response. What do you have? What do you have? I believe Jesus is saying that to you today. Some of you are crying out for a miracle. You want things to change. You want your marriage to get better. You want a better job. You want to make more income. You want to start a business. And you're out there like with your hand out to everybody waiting for somebody to come in and do it for you. And God is saying this, what you got? What do you got? What do you got? Man, my marriage is messed up. Well, what do you have? Let's, let's, let's talk about what you have. Let's talk about where you're at. Whatever you're needing in life, what you have with the greatness of God, he can make it enough, more than enough. Because when you read the rest of the story, they fed all the people, and they still had uh, loaves and fishes uh, left over uh, that they were able to send the little boy home with. I thought that was that's a, that's just a crazy story. I cannot wait to see the DVD of that in heaven. They just straight up mugged this little boy's lunch. That's the way I see it. Twelve dudes standing around a little boy. Hey, what you got there? Let me see that. Give me that. Maybe they weren't that gangster, but maybe they were. They were fishermen. And they took this little boy's lunch, put it in the hands of God, Jesus, and he made it more than enough. And that right there is a prophetic picture of what God can do with your life. But he's always got to ask you, what do you have? And here's the crazy thing. Some of you don't even know what you have. If we were to ask you, what are your gifts? What are your strengths? Uh, uh, well, uh, um, I'm, uh, you know, somebody said this one time. They said I was a good cook. Uh, uh, but what do you say? But if we asked you, what are some things you need to work on? Oh, you'll throw out a laundry list. You got those quick. Oh, I got to stop doing this. I got to quit. You ought, you're focused on what you don't have. We need to change that focus, okay? Because uh, before Jesus fed the 5,000, he asked, what do you got? What do you, how many loves do you have? What do you have? And I believe he's saying that to you today. What is it that you have? Amen? And I ask that to you today. What is it you have? What do you have in your life that you've been ignoring, that you've been saying, I'm not good enough, I can't, I, I'm not this, I'm not that, but what are you? As I look through this congregation right now, there's so many of you that have come in and yielded the little that you've had, and it's been amazing to see what God has done in so many lives. It's one of my favorite parts of taking people uh, when we do our outreaches or when we go on missions trips 
is to see what God does with common folk, with people that just say, I'll go, I'll do that, I'll share my testimony, you know, instead of saying, I can't. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not able to do those things. We've got to come off of that low-level slavery thinking and start focusing on what it is that we can do. Amen? We've got to stop comparing ourselves with other people. That is a disease. That is fatal. It's also an orphan spirit. That's, what, that's, that's a poverty thing. If you're mad when somebody else gets a promotion, you got issues. The Bible says we should celebrate instead of sit there and go, well, where's mine? You're a brat. You need to grow up. That's where yours is at. And when you grow up, it'll be right there waiting for you. Are you tracking with me today? Now, this is difficult. This is hard for some people because we sit back and we look at other people that have and we despise. See, that's a Cain spirit. That's a Cain spirit. Remember Cain and Abel? God was pleased with Abel's offering. Cain was mad that he didn't have that. And God said, what's the matter with you? So what does Cain begin to do? He begins to murder his brother. And some of us in this house, we do that sometimes through jealousy, through being mad because you didn't get picked, because you didn't get to share the word. Oh, how come, how come Rob got to do the offering last week? I've been here seven years, and they ain't never asked me to hold a microphone. There's probably a reason for that. I'm just going to let that marinate right there. Don't do that. See, that, that, that's a wrong spirit that, you, that we have when we act like that. We've got to understand that whatever we have, doesn't matter how much it is, in the hands of God, it becomes much. John chapter 2, verse 1, tells the story of the wedding of Cana. And, and they have no wine, the Bible says. Uh, verse 4, Jesus says to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? He's talking to his mother, uh, Mary. At this point, she is not the Virgin Mary anymore because she had other babies. Somebody needs to hear that. Amen. Quit calling her the Virgin Mary. She ain't the Virgin Mary no more. After Jesus came, she had sex. Ooh, it got real quiet up in here. Pastor, don't be telling I'm talking about the Virgin Mary no more. She wasn't a virgin no more. The Bible says Jesus had brothers. So Mary got her groove on. Uh-oh, I better stop. I better stop. I'm going to keep going. So we got to have right theology. We can't just go by the traditions of men and, and that kind of thing, you know. Uh, she ain't a virgin no more. Tell your neighbor she ain't a virgin no more. That's all good. That's all good. Amen. Some of you wouldn't say it. No, no, no. I can't say that. I'm not going to say that. It's true, though. Okay, look at this, verse 5. So, so Jesus addresses Mary, woman, what, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But I love uh, Mary's response. She ignores him, and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. I love that. And then what happens is Jesus takes six water pots of stone, according to the purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece, and he turns it into wine. And that's a miracle in itself. That's an amazing feat in itself to take water, turn it into wine. But here's the crazy thing about that. Those water pots were the washing water pots. It wasn't even clean water. It was by the door when people came in, they washed their hands, washed their face, boom, 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 purified themselves and went into the wedding. Jesus says, give me that water. And watch what I do with that. I'm going to bless this whole wedding. This wedding is about to get turned. Come on. 
off a dirty, stank, muckles in the water, like Anya's in the water, somebody's washing their face in the water. And then people's like, this is the best wine I've ever had. That's Jesus. But you know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of you and me. We're like that water. We weren't perfect. We were all messed up. We weren't clean. We, 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 we thought church was for people not like us. And we had issues and we had sexual problems and we had alcohol problems and we were smoking out and doing weed and treating people bad and running the streets and, and, and just doing our own thing. And God takes our dirty water that people would just cast out, throw it out because it ain't no good. You throw it into the street. That's it. That's all we were good for. But he takes us and he turns us into the new wine of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Because it's not about what we don't have. It's about about what we do have. I don't know why the Lord chose those water pots other than the fact that it's what they had. So I ask you today, what do you have? What do you have? Well, pastor, I'm just a broken, recovering addict. That's enough. In the hands of God, you become powerful. You become mighty. Well, pastor, I'm just someone who's been in a failed marriage. I'm a divorcee. I just, you know, I've been through things. I've made some bad decisions. In the hands of God, you become the prize man or woman that he has called you to be. You are the bell of the ball. Come on, somebody. You are, you are the man. It doesn't matter what you came through. He took your mess and he makes you whole. None of these stories that I've told you started with a lot. Look at King David. Man, I, I can't wait to see the DVD on that because his brothers were bad. His brothers were awesome. He had the football star brother. He had all the scholarships, was ready to go pro. He had that brother. He had the brainiac brother that was just, you know, genius level working for Google and just could, you know, figure out systems and things. And he had the other brother that was a model. He had all the ladies. He was in GQ magazine. He had all this stuff. And all these brothers that, that, that the proud father said, this got to be one of these dudes. God says, no, not you, not you, not you. Nothing personal, but it ain't y'all. He says, you got to have some other sons. He says, well, I got this one, but you know what? He's illegitimate. I had him with some lady on a one-night stand, something like that. And, you know, the brothers don't really like him. He don't, they don't want him to touch their inheritance because he's not, they don't have the same mom. But I have him out in the field watching the sheep doing what slaves do. See, sons didn't watch sheep. Sons had the good jobs. The slaves, the, the people that they, you know, didn't treat right had the, the, the sheep. And he says, he's out there with the sheep. He said, go get him. And David's like you and I. He was a roughneck. Come on. His name literally means ruddy, which has to do with red. He was that redheaded stepchild. Literally. But he was out in the field. And what I love about what I've always read about David, I've always kind of taken it through just even my own life. He was out in the field and he would write these psalms. He was he was a lyricist. So he's out there. And he's writing these psalms and he's 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 vibing out there with these sheep. And he's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Mm, mm. Mm, 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 mm. 
he's, and he's got that harp. The Bible says he played that harp. And to me, it sounded like a bass. He's plucking that thing. Bank, the bonk, bank, bonk, bank, bonk. And he's out there, and he's just, he's just watching sheep. And bears and lions are coming, and he's fighting these things. But guys, understand this. He wasn't smart enough. He wasn't good looking. He wasn't perfect. His, he was illegitimate. He was the cast off. His father didn't treat him good. Who knows who his mother was? He was the slave of the family. God looked at that dude and he said, he's the one. See, you and I would go, why would he do that? That's not how we do things. But it is the way of the kingdom. It's the way of the kingdom to take that which is imperfect and make it whole and make it right. That's the God I serve. That's the church we got to be. That's the kind of person you've got to be. You've got to be to the understanding this, that whatever I put in God's hands, he makes it whole and he can elevate it and he can make it great. So every person in here, no matter where you come from, what you've done, what you're doing now, if you would just give the life that you have, as jacked up as it may be, if you put it in the hands of God, God can make you great. He can make your marriage great. He can make your little kids great, even though they don't get good grades. Come on, somebody. Even though they're always getting in fights, they're always pulling people's hair in the nursery. They're always telling you, come get your kid out of this place. He's terrible. Even him, is, he's going to be great. Because if you put what you have, help me on the keys, Eddie. Uh, if Eddie could help me. If Eddie could help me. Uh, uh, he was looking down so he couldn't see. Whatever you put in your hands, in God's hands, can just be elevated to a whole nother level. We've got to quit talking ourselves out of the blessing of God. We've got to quit telling ourselves we don't fit in. Some of you come to this church and you look around and you go, I ain't like these people. You don't even get it. And whatever we don't get, we criticize. So you say things like this. Well, I, I'd rather hang out with no, non-church people. I, I get along better with my coworkers than when I come to church. I don't fit here. No, you fit. Quit saying that. That's a slave mentality. That is some hood stuff. You fit. You fit wherever God puts you. You fit. You fit, but you got to quit telling yourself that because when you say, I, can't, I don't fit here, when you perpetuate that lie, all you're focused on is what you don't have because I don't fit says I don't have what these people have. But my question to you today is this, what do you have? What do you have? When I got saved, it didn't look like I fit into the place that I got. So I got saved at Capital Christian, you know, back in 91. And I'll never forget when I went to that altar, I wasn't like any of those people there. None of them. I didn't have no sense about church. You know, my grandfather pastored the church and I went when I was a kid, but, you know, all the sin in my life just messed me up. I couldn't see no more. I remember one Sunday, me and Pastor Troy Marshall, many of you guys know him, we came to church. We rolled up in church, right? Came down to the front row, sat in the head pastor's chair. <laughs> we was looking, we wanted to be close. So we sat in Glenn Cole's chair and his wife. And we was like, what? You know, it was like, hey, we got good seats. We were high-fiving. Dang, God is so good. Look at this. It's got extra cushion on it, too. And we was up there. Yes, God. Ushers are like, the ushers were really close. Hey, could you just could we put you over here? And, you know. But we just had no sense. We didn't fit. But we knew enough to know that God was calling us and that this is where God calls us. 
we fit. Because it's not about what I don't have, it's about what you do have. Stand on your feet right now. Just want to give you a shot and encourage you. Quit carrying around what you don't have. Quit comparing yourself to somebody. We had an amazing time at the marriage awakening, but the last, our parting words to everybody was this. Don't compare yourself to anybody else's marriage. Don't do it. You got your different issues. You got stuff that you have to work out. Quit looking at other people and wishing you had their marriage. Their marriage ain't all that. Smile at me now. My wife and I laugh all the time because people come up and they say, oh, well, you know, when I see you, I just want a marriage just like your guys's. And we walk around going, no, they don't. We have been through some hell. I barely want this thing. You know, we've been very... Because, see, we compare. My wife was like, hey, calm down a little bit. It's not that bad. <laughs> but, but, but for reals, we, we, we talk like that. We, we walk around and we go, man, if people only knew. Don't waste your time trying to be like somebody else. Be you. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be better and gleaning from people. But that's not comparing. Comparing begins to despise what you have. Who cares if all your friends are getting married? Who cares if they have all, a bunch of it? Be happy for them. But if your only reason for wanting something is because everybody else has it, that's like the children of Israel. This is the dumbest thing in history. Check this out. They have God leading them. He meets with them in a, in a, in a, in a pillar of smoke and a, and a pillar of fire by night. He appears to their leader. He talks. They could hear his voice audibly. But one day they go to Moses and they say this, Moses, this isn't working for us. Moses is like, What? The God of the universe speaks to us. He walks before us and goes and, and guides us and kills our enemies and parts Red Seas. You know what they said? They said, yeah, but all the other nations have kings. Egypt has a king. The Syrians have a king. The Aztecs have a king. I don't know. Maybe they were around back then. The Filipinos got a king, I guess. You know, that, that was their response. God's like, are you kidding me? So you're despising what you have because you want to be like all these other nations. God says, cool, you want a king? You got a king. They got King Saul. But their answer, their reason for wanting a king was simply to be like everybody else. This is a prophetic word for somebody. Somebody here wants to get married just because everybody else is getting married. Guess what you're going to have? A King Saul. King Saul wasn't a man after God's own heart. He was a man who was consumed by his passions. He was a man that cared more about pleasing people than pleasing God. And that's what you're going to marry if that's your motive. That's your motive. But you better wait for that King David. Come on. Maybe all his teeth ain't straight. Come on. Come on. Amen. He ain't driving, you know, the 360, whatever, you know. He's got some swag. He's a little ruddy, but he's a man after God's own heart. You tell your neighbor, you better recognize him when he comes. You better recognize him. So we have high school students. They want a girlfriend. You know why? They, they, listen to me, students. They want a girlfriend because everybody has a girlfriend. You're going to get a girlfriend and jack your life up. Well, all my cousins have boyfriends, so I, wa I want to have a boyfriend. 
You got God right now. Right now, you got God. The time will come. Oh, this is too good for some of y'all. I see some high school students, ah, no, don't say this. I got to go to the bathroom. About five of them went to the bathroom right now. You don't want to hear this. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now that every person in here has something. It might be a small jar of oil. It might be a mess. It might be things that others would cast out. We are, Lord, collectively that dirty water that you turned into wine. Father, help us to see what we have. Change our view of our spouse. Change our view of our kids. At least you got kids. There are some people that cannot have kids and you're mad. At least you have a job. There are nations around the world where they cannot get work. There are immigrants crossing the border today just to find a job. And you don't like yours. Father, change our perspective off of what we don't have. Kill the spirit of comparison. And help us not repeat the sin of Israel that says, I want a king just because everybody else has one. Lord, we have you. And in due time, you'll give us riches. You'll give us the king we need. You'll give us the things we need. You will reveal destiny to us. But right now, while every eye is closed, every head is bowed, God brought you here to hear this message today. I just took away every reason you got for not serving God. Somebody says, oh, I ain't ready. You know, I got to work on stuff. No, God wants to take your mess right now and make your life amazing. He did it for me. He did it for me when I was 19 years old. And I walked down the, 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 the aisle of that church and I was a mess. I was hurting inside. I had fatherhood wounds. I had family wounds. I had wounds that I had afflicted on myself through the way I was living in high school. And I came to that altar. God took my mess and he made something. Today is your turn. Somebody needs to hear this. And it might be, you might go to church all the time. You might, this might be the first time, but this is your moment to give God your little and watch him make it much. So if you're here today while nobody's looking around and every head's bowed just for the sake of privacy and focus, and you say, Pastor, this word was for me today. I'm tired of carrying around my mess. I'm tired of of living a subpar life. I need God to take my little and make it much. If that's you today, I want you to just slip up a hand right now. Just slip up a hand. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I see that. Hands going up all over this place right now. Now, I want you to do one more bold thing. And don't matter who's looking. Most of us have done this at one time or another. But you need to get out of your chair. And you need to come right down to this altar. Because every step you take, chains are going to fall off of you. Every step you take, God is going to begin to change you. Come on, give them a good hand as they come right now. Give them a good hand. Just come on down. Just come on down. Just line up right here. Just face me right here. God bless you. 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 You're not broken. Come on, God. God's with you. Your mess is going to be great. Your mess is going to be great. God's going to change this thing. God's going to take what you are. You do fit in. You are good enough. God's going to give you a king. God's going to give you a queen. Father, we just thank you right now. If I get the A-team to just come and stand with them right now, if our altar workers would just come. Father, we just thank you right now. I just want to pray over you, and then I want to pray with you. Lord, I thank you for putting it on their heart to respond to this. No matter what they've gone through, broken relationships, abuse, rape, whatever it might be, abortions, whatever it might be, Lord, I thank you that you heal that, and you're going to use them in a powerful way. 
You're going to take them from, from being a girl full of shame to the bell of the ball, to the prize. You're somebody's queen. I just feel that for, for, for you, right? I just feel that. I just feel that. You guys are somebody's queen. Mm. You're not done. You're not ruined. Mm. God's going to take this and turn it around. Your kids are going to be glad, proud to call you mama. Now, if you're up here right now, I want you guys to just pray this prayer with me. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart what you're saying, God is going to come and make you new. Let's all pray this with him. Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. I have a mess. My life is not much, but I give it to you. And I ask you to come into my life and make me whole. Forgive me for my sin. I turn from it. But I'm going to need your help to live this out. Because you already know I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. Help me to learn to run to you when I do. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.